Welcome to the Gatecast and our journey to the Pegasus Galaxy and the City of the Ancients, Atlantis. Good evening everybody, welcome to this episode of the Gatecast. Something a little different tonight, Alan, as last week, is still in Ireland doing God knows what, probably binge-watching Sense8, which came out today, at least June the 5th, as we record this. I do have a guest tonight, a first-time guest as well, who, bless him, is currently listening to our back catalogue. Yeah, he's a sucker for punishment. Welcome to the show, Ian. Hi, Mike. Thank you very much. And hello, everyone. So, yeah, <laughs> back catalogue. What are we, mate? <laughs> yeah, I'm currently working through the entire back catalogue. They've currently got to about episode 110, so I've just got past the, the bit where Daniel dies and ascends for the first time ever. Definitely <laughs> time. a tearjerker the first time I watched that. <laughs> He's also a proofreader, spotting any mistakes in the Mission Files RSS feed. And well, I'm glad to have been of help, to be honest. I've been working my way through them. Every now and then you pick up on something and conveniently I can just ping you a DM, so Twitter's a big help now. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you look at a feed that I think at the time already had about 200 episodes in it and your eyes just blur looking at the HTML. You're going to miss something. I know that. Yeah, I've dived into the feed file a couple of times to to see if I could pull out an episode that was misrepresented in iTunes. It's just a wall of XML that you've got to sift through. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad somebody's using the mission files, though. It exists because iTunes, they recommend a limit on the feed size to uh, avoid problems. So we limited the iTunes feed to 25 episodes. You pull the RSS feed, copy it to any podcatcher, and you can access to our full catalogue. Listen to anything you fancy. Yeah, and if you've not done that already, I highly recommend it. Yeah, you can listen to the early episodes where <laughs> I wasn't involved. <laughs> just just the original creators, Alan and Scott. The infamous Scott. Who has made his one appearance on the show last season. Yes. He's yep. on a roll. I was surprised to hear him pop up. That was excellent. <laughs> uh, not long back don't ask me to remember when <laughs> i know i spend a lot of time with the audio in front of me <laughs> so where are you from ian so i'm originally from east sussex and i'm currently living in aberdeen i'm a web developer and you can follow me on twitter if you'd like i'm at ian eisted so it's uh i-a-n-i-s-t-e-d or check me out i have a website that's www.ianisted.co.uk other than that i'm uh i'm interested in well obviously sci-fi I love science fiction, and an aspiring maker of aspirations of building some cool robots and things, but as usual, I never have the time to get to it, so <laughs> aside from that, I'm a scout leader, so hence the lack of time. Yeah, that's about it, really, I think. You share a common trait with Alan. <laughs> Which is? Yeah, both ginger. Oh, I didn't know Alan was ginger. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, I'm quite ginger with a long ponytail <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> And the ghost-like complexion that comes with being ginger and living in Scotland at the same time. Although I suppose there are benefits not having uh, blazing sunshine down all the time. Definitely, if I want to avoid the lobster effect. You mentioned that you've just started up a podcast. Yeah, that's right. My friend and I uh, started a podcast just a few months ago. The podcast is actually just part of a vehicle that we're using for a service we want to build called Postduino. Post and then uh, the end of Arduino. Purpose being to send out parts every month to people so you you would sign up and pay sort of ten dollars or ten pounds a month and you would receive random parts every post every month from various ebay suppliers china so if you buy parts for arduino kits in the uk you generally pay hefty tax on them if you buy them directly from china you can often get basic components quite cheaply so our plan was to set up a service where people sign up pay their monthly fee and they would get surprised with various items dropping through the post provide them with some detailed guides and to walk them through how to use the components and how to build basic projects with them, provide a, the podcast to accompany that, as well as some videos, and then hopefully get some community feedback videos from them or photos showing what they've built. We would build up their collection of parts to build a giant project at the end. That's the idea, at least, but unfortunately, life's getting in the way at the moment. Um, there's a few episodes of the podcast up on SoundCloud, if you want to go and check them out. Post Duino, if you search on on SoundCloud for P-O-S-T-D-U-I-N-O. It does sound like a project that's going to require a lot of time to uh, successfully get it off the ground. Yeah, it has so far. Um, but fingers crossed, I'll let you know. I say that's the beauty of the podcast, though. They don't have to be simply, oh, we're going to watch a TV show, let's talk about it. You can actually have a plan, a project, even a business endeavour behind it. And it... Yeah, that's it. Brilliant little little medium, isn't it? It's like having the newspaper on your doorstep. It's fantastic. 
and half the audience goes, newspaper, what's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right then, tonight's episode, season four, episode two, Lifeline, the final part of the, well, it was a three-parter, bridging season three and season four. Pretty epic in scope. As the commentary mentioned, there are difficulties when having three episodes telling one story. Benefit, of course, for this commentary was that Amanda Tapping joined Martin Wood, so it was all good. <laughs> that was an excellent commentary. You find a lot with the commentaries, you get a mixed bag. You get some that are very, very technical, others which are light and fluffy. That's normally when mm. Peter DeLuise is involved. Yeah, I've heard a few of his commentaries. Him and Gary Jones. Oh, good. Then Piron. Yep. And with Martin and Amanda, a lot more reminiscing about time on set. And just two people that have known each other for a long time. I remember the first audio commentary I listened to with, but my brain's just gone blank. Um, <laughs> yeah, Peter, uh, with Peter DeLuise, the first audio commentary I heard with him was uh, him singing along to the intro, the, the classic Egyptian intro, singing Behold the Giant Head. <laughs> it's like Gene Roddenberry, who put lyrics to the Star Trek theme just so he could claim half the credit. <laughs> I didn't know that. It's nasty, but you're right, it is genius. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they were never used. Yeah. Shared the credit for the theme music. You know, what are you going to do, though, when you're uh, the creator of the show, or the showrunner, as it would be these days? Yeah, exactly. Last season, the citizens of Chester's Mill were blinded by the light, a wall opened up and a butterfly to fight. Julia and Junior are trapped across a ravine, Big Jim is closing in, and Melanie is alive? Only Wayne and Troy at the Under the Dome radio podcast can help you figure out what in the hell is going on here? Tune in this summer to Under the Dome Radio. Okay then, uh, we are, as per usual, going to watch a Region 2 version of the episode. 41 minutes, 42, 43 seconds, thereabouts. Are you queued up? I'm all ready to go, yep. Yeah. Did you want me to count us in? I was going to say, you did mention that you fancied doing the 3 2 one click. Yeah, I'll do it in, in the lack of Alan. Yeah, <laughs> a homage to Alan's intro. <laughs> okay, uh, we're all ready to go. Eins, zwei, oh, wait, wait. I have to do a 3 2 one Be uh, drei, zwei, eins, clicken. Previously on Stargate Atlantis. Here we go then. And we get the uh, very ingenious weapon by the Asaurans to take out Atlantis. We're not flying high enough. We don't have enough power. And they run away. That was smart, wasn't it? That is still one of the best stunts I've ever seen on television. Yeah, she did that herself, didn't she? No, no, that was that was a stunt woman who did that. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, I... You'll get there. We talk about it on the latest episode. <laughs> Which may have caused substantial brain damage. What is that? An asteroid belt? Oh, the asteroid belt, yes. Yeah, oh, I love McKay's line about how he could never win at asteroids. <laughs> yeah, he got zero <laughs> once. <laughs> yeah. That takes him doing that, does. They're not going to try to take her over or contact the other. This is a very bad idea. And it was interesting that Tori returned after being, well, not, she wasn't sacked, but left the show. Glad you did, though. You wanted a bridge. Yeah, did she leave herself or? The way it stands, it was mutual. Ah, oh, now this is the one thing I don't like about this. You have this beautiful shot of Atlantis, but that shield around it looks so bad in space. When it's in space, it looks like it's just been thrown in as a 3D effect. It'd look better if it was more transparent or had ripples in it or something. You know, millions of little micrometeorites hitting it all the time. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's what it's like when it's on the surface of the planet. Of course, they have the annoying little hyperspace-capable jumper. Atlantis isn't the worst show for bringing things out of the closet that we've never heard of before. Correction, I said probably do it. Yes, he's having trouble with one of the algorithms he created during his brush with near ascension. This is unbelievably complex physics here, all right? I mean, it makes string theory look like nonlinear dynamics. But they won't. We know it's going to uh, work. <laughs> well, it has to work. Oh, the episode's going to be very short. <laughs> million to one odds, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I love, uh, I love an episode with McKay. <laughs> it's hard to imagine that David wasn't first choice to bring his character over from SG-1. You can't imagine Atlantis without him. Were they planning to uh, to have someone else? No, definitely not. They hadn't cast anybody. It was just going to be a different character altogether. Oh, right. Then someone pointed out that they've got Rod McKay from SG-1. Why not bring him over? We're going to need some help. From who? Oh, definitely. Smart, arrogant, brilliant, and uh, just general human failings all the time. <laughs> well, he's infatuated with Sam Carter, <laughs> and he has a problem with lemons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think he, in that respect, he reflects a lot of the audience, I'm sure. <laughs> Especially Alan. 
Well, I'm not sure about Alan having an aversion to lemons. Uh, he certainly owned cats, just like McKay did. He's probably a lot smarter than is good for him as well. I can say these things because Alan probably never listened to this episode. So we're safe. And not only that, as we record this, he's probably out in Ireland ingressing. The boy's obsessed with that game. Lifeline, Season 4, Episode 2 of Salgate Atlantis. Gatecast, Episode 272. This episode was written by Carl Binder, directed by Martin Wood. Had its premiere in America October the 5th, 2007. We got it in the UK October the 16th. Sweden got it January the 4th, 2008. Germany February the 17th. Japan October the 14th, 2009. And our friends in Australia November the 5th, 2009. We've got a few shows with episodes of the same name. The L Word, Please Rescue, Gentle Ben. Taggart, Crossroads for people in the UK. Jag, The Pretender and Sea Patrol. And we're back. Nice little CGI shot of the underside of the city. No engines running this time. It's nice when the engines are running. So here we go with the whole plot for this episode. Fly in, use the replicator and nanites and steal a ZPM. Excellent plan. I will give it to the writers. They do know how to deliver exposition without boring you. They do. Yeah, the fact that they've got actors who can actually make it interesting and actually pull off all the technobabble didn't always work in Star Trek. You know, it, Star Trek kind of slapped you in the face with it. Yeah, sometimes it could be uh, it could be just a little too much unless you're a, unless you're a hardcore fan and really interested yeah. in what's happening. And it's good to see Ronan has still got his <clears throat> huge jagged glass knife wound covered. Yeah, although as was pointed out by someone, McKay's shards and scratches seem to have healed up quite quickly in this episode compared to the one that's just gone. He'd probably put a bit of foundation on. <laughs> Lemon-based foundation. They sent all the non-essential personnel to the Apollo, but they kept the local beautician on staff. <laughs> Fortunately for Elizabeth, all her hair grew back, so no worries there. That was very convenient. Tori may not have returned to the show if she had to save her own head. Did she say that, or uh, is that just a guess? <laughs> no, that's just my thought about it. Oh, <laughs> we mentioned last week that the woman who actually had her hair shaved was uh, donating it to cancer research, so it served a good purpose. Oh, really? That's an interesting uh, prop in the background. Fairly confident again. When he was fairly confident of giving the nanites to Elizabeth, John was totally against it. To keep a very close eye on me. And the first sign of any suspicious behavior, do not hesitate with that kill switch. Okay, but that's not going to happen. John, I mean it. <laughs> they're not going to abandon the city. Don't worry about it. These people, they think the world's going to end. It's not. Not for two years. It does amaze me the lack of concern on people's faces when they get through everything and they're... Uh... And they have, what, 20 hours left before the ZPM runs out and everybody dies in the vacuum <laughs> of space, as is pointed out by McKay. Everyone's just going about their business as usual. <laughs> ah, the professionals, aren't they? Without the shields, we would be unable to land. I know. We won't even have enough power to establish orbit. You're going to have to do a flyby and get everybody else in the jumper. You mean abandon the city? Oh, Taylor, not you and all. You're not abandoning the city. Somebody who can keep them alive and keep them together. More importantly, not let them give up hope. That's you, Taylor. John. Look, if I'm not back in 12 hours, give the order. Taylor's the perfect person to take over command of the city, or what's left of the inhabitants of the city. She's got the experience of leading her own people and the respect of uh, everybody on the expedition. Now... Are you certain? Yes. Oh, here's Timmy Torture. Uh, I only ask because the last time you were less than definitive in your answer... Radic. Alright. Oh, yeah. is <laughs> Fantastic. The pair on him. Okay. Yes? He is excellent. I think we got it. Good. McKay's engaged Mugman. I love uh, McKay's... <laughs> I love his constant pointing out of when <laughs> oh, Zelenka's wrong. <laughs> yeah. As much as I hate to say it, Zelenka's not infallible. Oh, no. No. You ready? Yes. Look. I'm not sure this is going to work. I mean, I've done everything I can to make it. Shepard, we're ready. I do like the fact that... <laughs> no listening to you, McKay. We're off. <laughs> yeah. As a programmer, I can say I've been in that problem a lot. <laughs> yeah. This escort, armed escort, is a bit much. I mean, you either trust her or you don't. Yeah. Well, especially if McKay allegedly has a kill switch, he can fire off at any time. All right, Taylor. We're ready to launch. Understood. Open the jumper bay doors. Remember, no wild parties while we're we will try to restrain ourselves. And it's interesting. Basically, he just told Taylor, you know, if everything goes wrong, you've got to look after everybody and make sure they survive. Now, that's putting a lot of pressure on her. I know she's a leader of her people, but... Rodney, you ready? 
Did I mention that this might not work? And that we could either drop out of hyperspace prematurely and end up stranded in the middle of deep space, or quite possibly be vaporized the moment I touch that. Just device. answer the damn question. <laughs> yes, you did, Ron. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Good. Sit down. We know it's going to work. You're a genius. There was a comment from Amanda Tapping in audio commentary about David Hewlett's ability to have that resigned look on his face. He said he, he does it like, like no one she's ever seen. It's fantastic. You only have to look at his Twitter feed. Some of the, you know, the expressions he has on his face are just hilarious. Yeah, his, uh, oh, I forgot what he calls it, D-Geek Diaries on YouTube are, uh, are excellent. My, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's like Elwyn Forest. Oh, nothing. It's uh, one of the lands in Warcraft. That's a game I play. <laughs> World of Warcraft again. <laughs> Gotta love a World of Warcraft reference. Dr. Lee. Yep. He said it was the last time we saw him on SG-1, but of course he came over to Atlantis for a bit. Okay. You got Sam with a slightly non-regulation hairdo. Yeah, she mentioned that the Air Force advisors actually said to her about, to, or said to, to Martin Wood about how that's not good and it would never be regulation and they kind of brushed it aside for this. I was going to say, after so many years, you know, pretty much following the guidelines of the Air Force, it's just a hot study. It doesn't really matter, does it? Oh, oh. Oh, that was, that was a fantastic one. <laughs> Poor Bill, every time. He can't calibrate any. He's got a good picture of a very highly classified vessel. He has. You know, if he ever wanted to join the WikiLeaks brigade, that picture's probably worth a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that was going through my head when I watched this the first time. I did wonder, if they take photos, where do they go? Like, what, what are they allowed <laughs> yeah. to do with all those photos they take? I'm sure they're not allowed to just upload them to Flickr. <laughs> Daniel's takes all sorts of reports back home to his, his apartment. You know, he takes all sorts of things home. <laughs> yeah, left hiding around his flat. All of this is based on the assumption that they dropped out of hyperspace early. Yeah, we believe that's the most likely scenario, and they made good use of the Apollo again with Colonel Ellis. And Dr. Bill takes one more photo for the scrapbook. A nice twist on the jumper and all. It doesn't look any different, really, except it looks faster. Perhaps because of the blue engine gene, it gives it that extra oomph. Unfortunately, believe it or not, Zelenka was actually right. We burned up way more power on the jump than we expected. Now what are you saying? We can't get back? No, no. What I am saying is that the... Actually, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, there's a lovely scene later on when, it, when it's taken off from the city that's got this sort of gorgeous, hazy vibration as it whizzes past the camera. First things first, let's worry about getting the ZPM. Right. Okay, I'm, I'm going to try to initialize the link. What do you want me to do? Nothing, just sit there. It's completely wireless. Let me know if anything pops into your mind. Yeah, you're wireless, Elizabeth. <laughs> the future is wireless. None of this Apple Watches or anything. You, just, a, just a little chip inside yeah. your brain. That's a nice effect, isn't it? They didn't use green. No. <laughs> Probably would have been so. No, it definitely would have looked matrixy. Look, but we have to move fast. Even though Elizabeth's nanites are only in lurking mode, it won't take long for the replicators to figure out another player has joined the game. How you feeling, Elizabeth? Very strange. I can suddenly see the entire city directly in front of me. I mean, every corridor, every single room. McKay's probably jealous. <laughs> he wouldn't mind trying that. I think he probably is. Even Shepard looks a bit pleased and smug about that now. Fourth quadrant, top level, easy access. There's hardly anyone around. Uh, it works for me. Given his <laughs> his trepidations before. Well, he's fully committed now, isn't he? He ain't got a choice. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I mean, look at this. I mean, this is Atlantis times ten. All right, we're down. Ronnie, stay here with Elizabeth. Keep sifting through the intel. You guys can guide us through my radio. Uh, visual effects guys just do amazing, don't they? It's interesting though. Why would the Asaurans need a city this big? I mean, do they reproduce on a schedule? Do they naturally procreate? Well, I think in the, one of the earlier episodes, they do say how they were um, they were trying to mimic the Atlanteans in every possible way. Yeah, perhaps down to population growth as well. Yeah. Well, and trying to replicate the, the grandeur of the city when it first existed, yeah. I guess. We're at the corridor. Go right. At 6.5 meters, there should be another corridor. Okay, we see it. Turn left. Wait, go back. Well, they recently repaired Atlantis. <laughs> yeah. That's the only good thing. At least when the city got partially destroyed by John, the Asaurans rebuilt it. The damage that's happened to the city now through the meteorites and all the debris, that ain't going to get repaired. No, exactly. No, I was wondering, how, where are they going to get all the materials from to repair that? Not exactly steel and glass, is it? Yeah, there were probably numerous laboratories that they'd never even investigated in the towers that got destroyed. 
And now we'll never know. Yeah. Yep, I see it. Hold up, Chewie. Chewie. Nice one. Aren't they gonna notice when we pull the plug on this thing? Probably, but they've got dozens of ZPMs. Let's just hope that they don't notice until we're long gone. That's wishful thinking. We still in the clear? And it's remarkably deserted, isn't it? It is, isn't it? There does seem to be a distinct lack of uh, of replicators around, despite the huge numbers you see suit. That looks exactly the same console that's on the old geothermal complex under the ocean on the old planet. Run away. You missed the Star Wars reference. <laughs> Very much a, a Han and Chewie moment, isn't it? Nobody will notice that's been nicked. No alarms going off. <laughs> yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Cameras? Do they not have cameras? I don't think they do. They don't. They just have a the sensors to scan the city. Yeah, I guess the Lanteans never really needed them, did they? I think it's part of the arrogance. They never even considered that anybody would be invading their base. And of course, is yeah. Rodney throwing a great big monkey wrench into the plan? The Holy Grail. It's their whole reason for being. It's a command code that directs them to attack the Wraith. Yeah, but they don't attack the Wraith. They've been sitting on their nanite asses for 10,000 years. Well, that's because it's being deactivated. And how did that happen? Well, I have no idea. Look, maybe the ancients did it when they realized they couldn't control them. And you, you're just noticing this now, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question, isn't it? It makes you wonder why it hasn't been activated, uh, if they had the ability. Well, we do learn. There is a story behind that. Yeah, exactly. I can reprogram the nanites in your brain and use that link to upload the changes, but we'll need to wait for the next merge to affect all the replicators at once, and we have no idea when that could be. Not only that, but the instant it happens, they'll know you're there, they'll take immediate steps to assimilate. Then we're not doing it. Of course there's a problem. There's always a problem. If the replicators go to war with the Wraith? Forget about it. It's not happening. That's not your call. The hell it isn't. <laughs> oh, typical. Could it be just press a few buttons if I could sit here and wait now? But... If, if, if it's kind of like a, a, a backup hard drive for all the replicators. If I can upload the reactivated attack command directly into that, then we wouldn't need to use Elizabeth. We could be halfway back to Atlantis when the attack command takes effect at the next merge. That sounds a little more like it. Huh. There's one small problem. Which is yep, like I said, there's always a problem, eh, Rodney? Yeah, this is colossal risk, given the people you have waiting for you to return so that you don't kill yeah. them all. We're going to have to come back after we take the ZPM back to Atlantis and after we land the city. I, I don't think we'll have another chance. He's right. Now, once they notice the ZPM is missing, they'll be able to trace the source of the infiltration. I will never get this kind of undetected access again. If we're going to do this, it's now or never. But of course, it wouldn't be Stargate without some elaborate plotline. Well, yeah, all of a sudden, ooh, data call. <laughs> Yes, by interfacing the ARG's control crystal with the jumper's cloaking generator. Only question is how far I can widen the field. Look, go ahead and flash as close to the center of the city as possible. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there may be some uh, Sorens there. He is assuming that I can extend the field wide enough to encompass not only the jumper, but also the core room, and also assuming that we can run fast enough to get there and put the command and get back before the replicators figured out how to override the field and, and, and you know, slaughter us. Yeah, but the jumper may blow up. I wouldn't want to push it. Yeah, it's pretty risky. Yeah, well, even if they just get caught, then that ZPM never makes it back to the city. That Pity they couldn't fabricate a fake ZPM and replace it. <laughs> oh, plug and play, huh? Well, you think it's that simple? Well, it will be because you're going to make it that simple. <laughs> plug and play. Oh, that's been a few years since I've heard that mentioned. Yeah, that's a nice... It's a lovely <laughs> reference, isn't it? From a time long ago <laughs> when things were supposedly easier. Yeah. I remember seeing the first uh, demo of Plug and Play, a uh, famous scene, where, a famous clip on YouTube of uh, Bill Gates yeah. plugging in a scanner, I think it is, and uh, the whole system blue screens in the middle of the demo. Huge press conference. The core is beneath that platform. How far beneath? Nine levels. I wonder if there's anybody on the towers feel the breeze <laughs> as that jump went by and went, what's that? There must be something on the city that can produce items like the Asgard had. Yeah, that's always been the question. I mean, even the Asgard replicators couldn't create a ZPM is something that's definitely manufactured to produce a zero, you know, the access to another universe. Yeah. I think it's like I mentioned Star Trek again, uh, their replicators couldn't produce weaponry, couldn't, couldn't produce energy cells. Yeah, only base items from uh, from the existing atoms. We still have 39 more jumps before we reach the original Lantean planet. 39. Space is quite vast. You don't say. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Doctor. That reference from Bill has to be a little, little nod to Hitchhiker. Space is big. Yeah, gotta be uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. 
39 jump, scan, jump, scan, jump. They said in the commentary that they really didn't like that scene, but it's one that had to be in the show, just to show how they were searching for him. A little exposition. We're visible. Engaging anti-replicator field now. And as usual, it's Sam that has to deliver the exposition. Considering McKay's rigged this up in, I don't know, maybe an hour, it is pretty ingenious. Yeah. It's working. Okay, let's jack it up, see how far we can penetrate. Penetrate? What? But again, using it is giving yourself away, isn't it? Yeah, you'd think that they'd want to wait as long as possible. That must have registered somewhere. Four Asaurans just vanished. It's working. Damn right it's working. It's encompassed the core room. You're good to go. Yeah. Well, she noticed it, and uh, and I think they, they cut to the what would be the gate room. Surely they do, yeah. No offense. Offense taken. I can't understand how they're generating that field in a sort of linear pattern, but... It's Rodney. He's a genius. <laughs> he is a genius. Okay, I've written a basic block storage transport protocol to upload the attack command directly from this tablet into the core. All you need to do is plug this cable into the main circuit. It'll automatically configure and upload the command. Plug it in. You want it simple. I like simple. There we go. Plug and play. That's a nice prop. Tech, which the replicators love to imitate, so we shouldn't have a problem there. Now, you need to move fast, because as soon as they find out what we're up to, they're going to figure out a way around it. Just do what you did last time. I'll be back before you know it. Let's go. There was a part in it adrift in the previous episode with those little micrometeors that were going past, and I couldn't work out how John was hearing them to turn, given that they're in the vacuum of space. He felt the vibration as it struck the metal. Yeah. <laughs> with all television and movie sci-fi, they've always got to give a little for the audience. She looks worried. What is it? An anomalous energy reading in the second quadrant of the communications tower. Source. Undetermined as of yet. It's creating a disruptive field emanating downwards from the top level, encompassing nine levels directly below it. When I saw this woman here, I thought, I've seen her in something before. And it's Stargate. <laughs> Is it? Was she been in which episode? Sharon Taylor. She played Amelia Banks in about four episodes of Atlantis. I recognised the face. I thought, I've seen her in something. I looked in IMDb and it's like, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good shield. Shield's working, Rodney. Good. Make sure to stay behind it. Thanks for the tip. Now turn right. They said in the commentary this was the point at which he realises that she needs another plan yeah. as well. And Martin Wood was going to have it a couple of scenes later, but, but she said it, it should definitely be sooner, which is quite interesting. Seemed to have quite a lot of influence on, on the process. All right, we're here. Assuming the big glowy thing is the core. This was excellent shot, and he explained that he was up in the rigging gantry for the lighting. Yeah, up in, in the gate room. Yeah, that's the gate room set. Looks incredibly different. I mean, it looks different when it's the cafeteria. Uh, it's genius. But just lowering the gate into the floor so it's out of the way, putting a few more props in, change the lighting, and hey, presto, you've got a totally different set. When it's the cafeteria? Yeah. It does look completely different, doesn't it? Especially with all that green lighting. And there's hundreds of them. Won't the field protect us? As long as you hurry. Okay, look, uh, try plugging it in again. Right, it's plugged in again. I know. <laughs> it's like trying to plug in a printer. It's like, why is it not showing up? It's truly universal. <laughs> plugged in again. Pull it out, blow on it a bit, polish it with your shirt, and then try again. <laughs> it does look a bit like an N64 cartridge. <laughs> and we can see that the Asaurans are decaying, vaporising a little bit slower. It is literally like they're analysing the shield as the people are being destroyed. Yeah, and learning a little bit of how it works every time. Why not? Look, I don't know! They've done that with the anti-replicator weapon in, in SG-1 as well before, adapting to the frequencies and things. We're almost through the field. Good. I'm on my way. Obroth's on his way. We're in trouble now. He's such a fantastic actor. Protocol to exploit parallelism at the device interface. What? You just do what I say. <laughs> <laughs> so he needs a parallel cable, that's the problem. Ronan almost looked like he was laughing there. <laughs> oh, he's through. He does seem quite smiling. Uh, now, they're, now they're just yeah. coming hordes. I suppose they still can't find the jumper, but I'm pretty sure they can, if they wanted, trace the shield back to its source. Yeah. Well, the, the jumper is not cloaked anymore, though, is it? Uh, oh, yeah, because he said he was using the cloaking generator, didn't he? 
We need to move much faster. You need to make changes to the negotiation protocol to allow for direct data placement. We need to allow for resynchronization of the packet boundaries within the data stream. Then that is risky. Yeah, they're visible right on top of the building. <laughs> Nobody here actually looks out the window sightseeing. Replicators are approaching from every direction. They're trapped. Which means they're as good as dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess they're uh, just going about their business. Put the radio off. Dead. I mean it is more of a, of a... Elizabeth, what are you doing? Stay here! Elizabeth, you can't go out there! Elizabeth! What's going on, Rodney? Elizabeth just left the jumper. Nope, oh, she's off. I, I don't know, she just, she just ran out. Elizabeth. Uh, Rodney, the babysitter, fails. Elizabeth, respond. If they capture her. I know. What do we do now? She said to hit the kill switch on the nanites if she did anything suspicious. I know. That's such a brilliant line, isn't it? <laughs> Shepard. Make the call. I don't think it could be any worse than it already is, John. Yeah, that's pretty suspicious. Yeah, but like I say, at this point, granted, she could have been more forthcoming with information before she ran out. not working what why not yeah but at least she wasn't she wasn't attacking anyone in the jumper so uh... he did it though didn't he I'm, I'm not getting confirmation and don't ask why because i don't know okay stop asking him questions there's one of those great facial expressions again he's under pressure interference <laughs> that's affecting the frequency i don't know i need to i need to i need to run a diagnostic better yet why don't you figure a way out to get us out of here for scrambling we might as well complete the mission there we go ronan's always practical my uh, partner Laura was pointing out yesterday one of the great things about McKay is every time they ask him to do something it always takes him a bit of time he's like don't ask me just yet I gotta, it's going to take me a while <laughs> rather than that instant fix that you get in some programs Dr. Weir hello Oberoth you're surprised indeed I am nicely done I think we saw this effect with Replicator and Fifth inside of a Replicator mind yeah and then reprogram and manipulate them to suit our needs. Industrious of you. Which is why now that I've been able to establish a physical link through you, I have direct access to the Replicator Collective. They say this was shot by Andy Mikita, as Martin Wood spent half the episode up in the Arctic filming continuum. Yeah, with uh, with heavy lighting and copious yeah. amounts of smoke, I think was the... Yeah, it's funny, you watch this on Blu-ray on a big screen, it's glorious, until you get to this scene. And you think, what have they done to the picture? But obviously, it's, it was meant to look like that. Oh, yeah, all the, all the smoke interference with the lens. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we've got company. Oh, this is nice. This actually does look fantastic. It's a combination of matte painting and people just not moving as Ronan walks between them. Yeah, frozen picture, isn't it? Split screen. Yeah. So around Ronan is live actors that are trying to hold as still as possible and then the rest of it's frozen so uh, yeah that, the greatest thing you can say about anything like this is that you don't notice it until it's explained to you yeah exactly i yeah i know i was wondering that myself it's like how are they they are perfectly still i'd say oh they're just actors not moving and a few of them you can see are moving and he does interact with one <laughs> then you say oh often we're just you know a separate plate job done i'm impressed with your strength Dr. Weir, but I must remind you that it's only a matter of time before I make the necessary corrections to overcome the hold you have on me. I'm prepared to fight for as long as I need. Good for you. Your desire to protect your people is admirable. But you will, ultimately, fail. Keep thinking that. Keep allowing your arrogance to undermine you. You know it's true, Dr. Weir. I can feel you weakening already. You can understand Oberth here. He's got no reason to suspect that he cannot control Elizabeth given enough time. He had no trouble last time. Yeah, and he has the entire collective ability of the Replicator army behind him compared to one person. Yeah, Oberth is, as we said, played by David Ogden Steers, the American actor, Charles Emerson Winchester from MASH. I liked him as uh, Reverend Purdy in The Dead Zone. I've not seen Dead Zone. Haven't you? I'll add that to my Good list. TV version of the movie. Once again, you have underestimated me. Oh, no, I haven't. And these are all mimes? Yes, they used mimes last time when they were with the Asaurans. Uh, whoa, they're moving again! 
I don't know what it says about Canada that they had access to so many mimes at once. They're just floating about that they could pull into the shop. That guy has a really recognisable face. Get him, lads. <laughs> You've got a stun weapon. You must just shoot him. Oh, smog. Smog. I was totally bought in by this when I first watched it on TV. Yeah, same here. When I re-watched it last night, I was <laughs> I completely forgot. It was I was like, oh, I can't remember how they get out of this bit. <laughs> well, it's true. Some episodes, every detail tends to stick in your mind. Others, you just remember some basics. It is very well done. This is familiar. I'm trying to decide if this incursion of yours reflects considerable bravery or stupidity. Where's Dr. Weir? Her attempts to seize control of the collective proved too taxing for her, rendering her mind and body virtually moribund. She has been taken to be repaired. Yeah, I could remember quite a bit of this. Yeah, again, as a commentary, they said each of these actors by themselves decided to play their part as something slightly off. You can see it now. I mean, John is not John. How about the precise location of Atlantis? You left your planet before we were able to destroy it. Uh, sorry to spoil your plans. Nothing is spoiled. Merely prolonged. And now with your help, we will complete the destruction. Totally different to when he was last interrogated by Obroth and the Asaurans. Rodney, he's not even sweating anymore. David Hewlett's hair. Although Ronan's Ronan. <laughs> yeah, with his cheeky charming smile. <laughs> <laughs> not a care in the world. David Hewlett looks like he's just woken up after a heavy night out. <laughs> I'm going to say, these days it's playing Minecraft to the wee hours with his bratlet. Yeah. Kneel before me. Here we go. Brace yourself, lad. They're saying in the commentary how difficult it is to do the hand-in-head scenes. I'd, uh, I'd love to see a behind-the-scenes shot of how they do that. To be honest, I think that they got away with just placing the hand on the head. And then just matting it out. Just like laying on a vans. You know, the idea that you have to actually physically... There we go. Nice morph. <laughs> Surprise. And he is surprised as well. He's shocked. What? I figured you messed with our minds. So I'd mess with yours. You didn't overpower me, Oberoth. The replicator guards didn't capture my team. Could this be the first time in 10,000 years? Well, maybe a little bit less. He has been defeated. In reality, your guards are still frozen, and my team is escaping as we speak. You were wrong, Oberoth. I have never underestimated you. He does seem fairly shocked, doesn't he? Underestimated me. You will not leave this city alive. Maybe not. But my team will. <laughs> well, hopefully they are. That's the plan. She's got a lot of strength in this episode. And this was the same corridor, the same actors just to reinforce the idea that Elizabeth is probably playing out the same scenario, just with her people being independent. Thanks, Rodney. Ooh. I admire your tenacity, but I won't be fooled again. <laughs> nice little eye roll. <laughs> won't be fooled again. She does look very nervous now. It is. It looks like she's putting effort into maintaining her position. Oh, here we go. Yeah. A little grimace. Method actor, old boy. Elizabeth. Get to the jumper. You're coming with us. I can't keep them frozen much longer. We're not leaving you behind. If you don't leave right now, none of us will get out of here, so go. That's an order! Elizabeth! No! <laughs> Martin Wood mentioned in the scene how he didn't have to direct the scene and he was glad because it's a tiny, tiny corridor and they're so close to him and yet all the shots missed from the replicators. <laughs> Rodney, can we cloak? They mentioned how good were the Jafar and SG-1 at shooting and <laughs> they were just as bad because they all had cataracts. Yeah. As good a reason as any. I know, that's fantastic. But there's no way they could have got away that quick. Oh, there we go. See, now I would be nervous. The replicators were right behind them. I imagine they could just walk through that door if they wanted. I guess no. The, if the city was replicated, then it could just literally grab the jumper, but these thorns are slightly different. Yeah. And right, they may not have the materials to create an entire replicator block city. Me? I need more time! 
We just lost weapons. Damn it. Come on, McKay. Well, get on with it then. Stop talking. Why would you lose weapons? And he's still talking. <laughs> Picking something up dead ahead. I know. He'd do that a fair bit. Now, this shit from the back, does that look like a big jumper? Oh, crap. You know, engine pods at the side. It looks strange, doesn't it, that ship? I don't think we've ever seen an Asaurian warship. Hello. No, we've seen the... Now, why is the Apollo using missiles instead of its beam weaponry? Uh, that's a good question. I love this looking out the window. Bill's just <laughs> looking over her shoulder. The Apollo, do you read? Oh, this is that you? Affirmative. The 302 bay is open and you have permission to come aboard. I suggest you hurry. Copy that, Apollo. We're on our way. Can I just add that your timing is pretty damn perfect? We would have gotten here earlier, but we had a little trouble finding Atlantis. Sam? What shall I do? Go stand over there. The day is really looking up, isn't it, Rodney? <laughs> Don't kill me now. <laughs> we lost Doctor. We're on the replicator planet. Can you lock on our locator beacon beam her up? Oh, it's, everything's going to be... Oh, no, it's not. I'm not picking up any signal. Damn you. Damn you all. Copy that. Now, this was the big question in the writer's room. Do they keep the jumper or not? A hyperspace-capable jumper is not good for storytelling. No, it's that problem of having too much. So they compromise by having the engines burnt out. The third fire from a Zatnik yeah. all over again. <laughs> it's the same with the Asgard transporters. Once they introduce them, they realise that, well, you can always beam people out. It's not a problem. So they think of ways to counteract the beaming technology. Yeah, you don't want to write yourself into a corner. Good. For us. Well, like it's... Uh... Stable atmosphere, uh, big ocean. Besides the uh, large, particularly venomous snake-like creature that inhabits the mainland. Large snakes. Yeah, it's not as if we hadn't dealt with them before. <laughs> we just don't go to the mainland. <laughs> How we doing? All set here. The ZPM is online. Okay. Here we go. Okay, John, you're up. You've got to land this baby. looks better there. This is a nice sequence. It's simple and straightforward. Gorgeous, isn't it? Well, there's still the small matter of landing this thing. Yeah. I'll just jump in the chair and ease us down. Well, that could be tricky. We drained a lot of power from the ZPM just getting here. We've got enough energy to keep the shield up for re-entry. Well, it better be. What, a city this size will create considerable friction. We come in too fast or too steep and the shield could attenuate under the stress and the whole place will be torn to shreds or, or burn up or both. It never ends with you, you know? What? everyone to buckle up we're going in the glow on that planet as well is, is wonderful yeah sometimes when they they go a bit nuts with the CGI and they do try to do too much now you would have thought there were automated programs for landing the city yeah, that's true <laughs> what have I let myself in for I love Sam's face she's like do you have to deal with this all the time <laughs> <laughs> nobody argues with me what's wrong the angle's too steep we keep going like this we're going to put too much strain on the shield which means more power draining from this FBM Shepard, we're coming in too steep. You need to ease up on the angle of re-entry. In fact, you mean entry. You see, we never actually left this. There we go. Very cloudy planet. So, like I said, it must be uh, predominantly water. Ease up on the angle. I heard you the first time, Rodney. And yet we're still coming in too steep. You may want to sit down, folks, and strap in, just in case. Take on the camera there. <laughs> Hang on. You may want to sit down, folks, and strap in, just in case. Take on the camera there. <laughs> yeah, they've still not got seatbelts. <laughs> Neither had the Enterprise. Want to touch down gently, like a, like a leaf kissing the surface of a pond. <laughs> not the time, Bill. Not the time. Uh, yep, there we go. He just got to McKay McKay. <laughs> what did they say? This is Jason rocking the control console with his hand. <laughs> Taking it with his hands, yeah. <laughs> Didn't we have a mechanical device, you know, doing it? No, adjacent. <laughs> Just shaking everything. Yeah. Nice kissing. I wonder if the shaking of the camera was uh, was post-processing or if they used a shaker on the actual camera itself as well. Well, they normally do, don't they? Systems are looking good. So far, plenty of power on the ZPM. Someone bouncing up and down on their chair there. Oh, baby. Now, I wonder how fast they were moving when they hit. 
<laughs> he, Dr. Bill loses his glasses. Amanda Amanda said there is they have layers to their inertial yeah. dampening. <laughs> Thank you. But that's it. Inertial dampeners are either going to be 100% effective or they're useless. There's no middle ground. Uh, yeah, they seem to be treated like... Uh... <laughs> so far. You, I think you want some people down here looking for any damage to the underside of the hull. Because, let's face it, there are a lot of holes in the city at the moment. Yes. Oh, two moons. Including that huge one they had to jump across in the last episode. That's beautiful, isn't it? A little picture of Tori's uh, dog, unfortunately, passed away not long back. She said they shot three versions of this scene. Yeah, it's, I suppose it's difficult. How do you go with some dialogue? You just play it quiet as a solemn moment. I don't know. Taylor's excellent in the scene. She's very good at acting. Yeah. And Taylor was the logical choice for this. I mean, she probably shared the pressure of leadership more than anybody else. Ronan, as in the last episode, I think he was fond of Elizabeth. She gave him a home on Atlantis. Yeah. She kind of made, made him see the potential that was a nice little scene in fact in that last episode with Jason yeah or with Rona okay let's give it a go right. I'm say it's fortunate that this planet didn't have a gate the reason of course is that Elizabeth doesn't know about it it also means they don't have to worry about two gates conflicting with each other yeah that's true I wonder how they would deal with that this is Atlantis calling Stargate Command do you read? Phone home. We read you, Atlantis. Good to hear from you. Great to be heard. Tell General Landry we're back on the grid. Rodney. Don't say it, Zelenka. Long-range scanners have detected a massive fleet of ships being launched from the replicator planet. But they're not heading for us. Oh, good news. That's a Wraith planet. The attack command must have been activated. What do you know? It worked. That just doesn't seem right in this episode. Well, that's good, isn't it? What could possibly go wrong with that? Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> Actually, there are five. It's just these are the only two visible to the naked eye. Really? Yeah. It does look a lot like a map painting, though. <laughs> what are you going to do? You and Rodney got us reconnected to the intergalactic bridge. Yep. General Landry was understandably relieved to hear from us. You know, in all the excitement, I never had a chance to congratulate you. Yeah. They've got the fans running. You see John's hair just casually blowing. <laughs> and they said this was the first scene that they recorded. Yes. With Amanda Tapping. It's a weird way to make television, isn't it? Oh, she's she's a full bird colonel now, by the way. Yes. And every promotion the character's <laughs> got is thanks to Martin Wood. Everyone she's had. Thanks for saving her asses back there from the bad guys. He's a generous writer. It's a risky move. There's nothing compared to the risk that you and your team took. But frankly, I'm amazed that you were able to pull it off. Okay, mutual admiration. Got a lot of help. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of awkward. You can't really take praise when you've lost your commander. Or more to the point, she gave a lie for you. No, I like that. You can see how it hits him. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, he's been willing to sacrifice her. He thought of her as a threat. There's a chance she's still alive. Nice. Maybe the best we can say is that when the hard decision was required, John was willing to make it even though it was one he didn't personally want to make. And there we go. Lifeline. That's an excellent episode. Well, an excellent three episodes, in fact. Yeah, I mentioned it last week that I'd seen a DVD cover with these three episodes as a single movie edited together. I wasn't sure if it was a legitimate release or, you know, kind of a fan edit. That's interesting. Yeah, they would, they would stitch together well, like when they released The Storm Parts 1 and 2, I just knitted them together. It was seamless. Yeah. Oh, and the rising... Uh, the rising. Up. Yeah, you really don't want... on Previously on, it kind of takes you out of it, especially when you're doing a, a marathon watch. You know. Yeah. Do you know if uh, Netflix is Region 2 or Region 1 for the UK? I honestly don't know. I would assume that Netflix, as a global organisation, would only use one master, and the runtime would probably yeah. be around 43 minutes. But Alan's got Netflix, although he's never actually mentioned watching Stargate on it. I've recently been, as I've been listening to your back catalogue, playing the episode in the background. So when you're mentioning things, I can see it. Brilliant. It's like having the audio commentary on. That was one of the questions. I mean, there are a lot of podcasts out there that do movie and TV comment. Well, mainly movie commentaries. But they sidestep copyright issues by just releasing their audio. So you either have to be very familiar with the movie or literally sit there with the movie running. Yeah. 
I decided way back that I wanted to have some of the audio of the episode on so you could listen. And quite frankly, that meant that at any point we could have got an email saying cease and desist. (laughs) And I'm glad you haven't. I do wonder about that. Is it just because it's not been brought to their attention yet? Or are they just happy because you're uh, publicising the episodes? We're very small. And that's one reason why we've never used Google Talk, because <laughs> that automatically bumps it up to YouTube. There is no way it would survive YouTube. Uh, no, YouTube's pretty pretty harsh. I edited a little tiny clip out of an episode of MASH once and uploaded that because I thought it was hilarious. And it was pulled within about 10 minutes. And yet sometimes you go on, you see whole episodes and whole movies, and you think, they are not public domain. The whole Stargate movie was on a few I months know. back. I'm thinking, I how? I know, it's insane. I thought, you know what? No one's going to complain about a 40-second clip um, from a TV program that's 40 years old. (laughs) But apparently they will. Okay, a little bit of trivia. Martin Wood, who directed this episode, he directed 47 episodes of SG-1, 29 of Atlantis. He also directed 27 episodes of Sanctuary, plus the web series. Uh, Recently, he's done Cedar Cove, Jeremiah, and Olympus, which I still haven't watched yet. Carl Binder, who wrote the episode. A couple of episodes of SG-1, 14 of Atlantis, Sixth of Universe, also Cedar Cove, Transport to the Series, The Messengers, another series I haven't watched yet, and way back when, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. So, <laughs> varied writing career there from Carl. <laughs> but no Quincy. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Went down the resume and just pulled out some that I know people had heard of. Okay then, folks, that was Lifeline. That's been a pleasure. Next week, we are going to be looking at <laughs> Reunion. It's a Ronan episode. On the next Stargate Atlantis. We're armed, we're mobile, and occasionally we get some pretty good intel. Roman meets up with some old friends. Now that we're back together, what's wrong with us? Who put the team's lives in danger. I am not about to send you or anyone else on a suicide mission. Because unknown to Ronan... We had a choice, to die with the past or live for the future. The friends have been turned by the Wraith. Join us. On the next Stargate Atlantis. Blimey. Talk about giving the plot of the episode away in a trailer. That is absolutely ridiculous. Thank you very much, Ian, for joining me for Lifeline. I hope you've enjoyed it. That's my pleasure. Excellent. If you come on again, uh, I'm sure we'll have Alan. He'll either be back in Finland, continuing with his studies, or back in Ireland, preparing to continue with his studies. Excellent. Yeah, the three of us on the on the episode would be good. At the moment, yeah. he's probably out ingressing or something. <laughs> is he still ingressing? Oh, yes. I tried that for about an hour and gave up. (laughs) Good exercise for you, though. Yeah, probably would be. Okay, then, folks, thank you very much. (laughs) Join us next week. But until then, I've been Mike. And I've been Ian. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Good night. Job done. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Stargate forever.